If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to go ahead and preach. We're looking at the book of Jude, chapter number 20. The book of Jude, chapter number 20. When you found your place, it's the book right before the book of Revelation. When you found your place, I'll ask you to stand. The book of Jude, chapter number 1. Just one chapter in the book of Jude. And we're going to look at verse number 20. Jude 1, verse number 20. We started a series of messages this morning entitled, Building Blocks of Faith. The Bible says in Jude 1.20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want to build off that thought where it says, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Building blocks of faith. Father, tonight we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to preach. We praise you for the souls that were saved this morning and the souls that the soul that was saved last week. And pray, God, I pray tonight you'd bless these that are being baptized, Lord. And if there are more that need to be saved, God, you'd do that tonight. We'd be pleased, Father, for you just to go ahead and do what you need to do. Lord, we step aside. Have your way, Lord. Help us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children say, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now in any building there is a foundation and we know that that foundation is Jesus. No other founda- no, on other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And for every building there's a foundation and then there are the first blocks or the first bricks that start to be laid. The building that you're in is comprised of, I looked outside as I came in, thousands and thousands of bricks surround this building and make up this building. Yet at some point, and I remember it very well, there was a time when the first brick was laid. I was there, and I saw the second brick and the third brick as those bricks were being laid and so on. And I want to say that one of the first blocks that need to be laid after that foundation, which is Christ is there, is believer's baptism. I want to preach tonight on that thought then, the building blocks of faith, believer's baptism. Placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will make you a Christian. The thing that you're supposed to do next is to be baptized. And when you get baptized, you are identifying yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher dear, I don't understand. Do you remember in the book of Matthew, the Bible says that they were lined up uh, for John the Baptist to baptize them. And when they came, one by one, they confessed their sins and then he baptized them. And in that line, there was one named Jesus. And when he walked into that water, John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus walked into that water. He had no sin to to confess, amen. He's not a sinner. Oh, preacher Dan, then why was Jesus baptized? He's standing there in the waters of death to show you and me that he's identifying himself with sinners. He's going to take the sinner's place, amen. And when John lowered him into that water and raised him back up, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to go and look at chapter number 16. As you're turning the Great Commission, Jesus commands us to go out into the whole world and uh, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Notice it didn't say names, plural. It was name, singular. 
Hey, the one are three and the three are one. As we get ready to read out of Acts 16, there was a little boy in Sunday school. He called on Jesus. He received Jesus into his heart. His Sunday school teacher said, Now, you go upstairs and tell the pastor that you've been saved and now you need to be baptized. The little boy excitedly ran up the steps. He came to the pastor and he said, Look, preacher, I've been saved and I need to be advertised. And to be honest with you, isn't that what baptism really is? Jesus was baptized in your place to identify himself with sinners. And when you get saved and you get baptized, you're identifying yourself with him, amen. And tonight you're giving witness. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ. He saved me, he forgave me, and now I'm on my way to heaven. And you're saying to everyone, this is your confession to say, I've been saved and I'm being advertised you're advertising for Jesus you realize sometimes people give you a business card and they got on there the name of their business and all these things but may I say that you are Jesus's business card you're advertising for Jesus right now how you doing amen when I look in the scripture in Acts chapter number 16 I see first of all we're going to begin reading in verse 23 I want to see, see the preparation for baptism. Preacher dear, what is the preparation for baptism? It is that you need to be saved before you get baptized. Amen. Baptism does not save you. It's an outward symbol of an inward grace. The Bible says in verse 23, When they had laid many stripes upon them, speaking of Paul and Silas, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who? having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feast, feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison Awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Can you just imagine the men of God, Paul and Silas, were arrested for preaching, were arrested for casting the demon out of a fortune-telling girl. They'd been beat with many stripes, locked up in the inner prison, stocks on their feet, chains on their hand, and there they are. And in the midnight hour, rather than complaining and murmuring, they start praying. God, thank you for sending us here. God, would you save these prisoners? God, would you save the guards and the jailer too? They started calling on the Lord. And they started praising Him for being so good to them. And God said, Amen, and sent an earthquake. An earthquake that didn't cause the walls to fall in the jail, but caused the doors to open. And the stocks and the shackles to fall off. Amen. And the jailer, when he realized the doors are open, and it looks like all the prisoners are going to escape, he takes a sword, he's going to kill himself because he knows my life for theirs. If they escape, their sentence of death is passed on to me. I'd rather go ahead and just take care of it myself. But Paul said, hey, do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Imagine that. There's been a, a jail opening down there, but nobody left. They all stayed right there in their individual cells. God opened the door and they stayed there, amen. And they said, look with me, verse number 29, Paul cried with a loud voice, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in and came trembling. 
and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? May I say this, before you get baptized, there need to be a time of preparation. What is that? It needs to have at least three things. Write this down. First of all, there ought to be a powerful conviction. Amen. Before you can get saved, there needs to be conviction. There was a lady one time uh, in a church service. I was preaching down in South Carolina. Man, God had been moving that meeting. We'd have 15, 20 people saved. And one night I said, I'd be afraid to walk over the threshold of this house with the way God's moving. This may be the end for you. Now, let me tell you something. I went back there to that, that back door. I was shaking hands as I normally did along with her pastor. And that lady, she came back there. She was the last person coming out, she and the pastor's wife. And she stopped and she said, Preacher, you don't know this and you don't know who I am. But I've tried to leave tonight out the back door. You said don't walk over that threshold. You pointed back there. So I thought I'd go out the back door. But I got scared to go over that threshold. Then I thought I'd go out the side door. And I got scared to go out that threshold. Then I thought I'd go out the other side door. And I got scared to go out that threshold. She come back there and she said, Preacher, I'm not going over that threshold. I'm going to bow right here in the middle of this lobby. And I'm asking Jesus Christ to save me. Amen. You see, she was under conviction. Amen. The night I got saved and for weeks before that, I was under conviction. God was working in my heart, knocking on my heart's door, telling me I needed to be saved, telling me he was going to come one of these days. The preacher stood up that night I got saved. He said, there's a lad here, and this is your last chance. I was 12 years old, but I promise you this, that was the last night God was going to deal with my soul, and he saved me. Thank God for conviction. Preacher Darren, what do you mean about conviction? You have to get lost. The knowledge of getting lost causes you to start trembling, causes you to start shaking. Look with me what the Bible says in verse 29. He called for a light. He sprang in and he came trembling. Amen. He had powerful conviction. I dare say for those this morning that God saved, God was working, knocking on their heart's door. There was powerful conviction. Then look with me in verse number 31. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Second of all, there needs to be personal conversion. You know what you need to do? You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is Lord, glory to God, because he's master. He is Jesus because he's mediator. He reaches and transcends from heaven to earth, amen, upon that cross and brought us, we that were wayward, we that were sinners, he brought us to Jesus and has reconciled us. Lord Jesus Christ, he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the appointed one. He is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Bless his holy name. Look with me then in verse 30, verse 32. They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Evidently, he brought them out of the jail and took them back to his house and said, don't just tell me how to be saved. Tell my wife. Tell my kids. Tell them, them in-laws. Tell, the, tell the in-laws. Tell them all my grandkids how to be saved. And the Bible says in verse 33, he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. What about that? A jailer that called these men sirs. A jailer that would take these men where they'd been locked up. Now he's putting this thorn on them. <laughs> now he's, he's washing their stripes. Do you see the change in him? When you get saved, amen, the old things passed away and all things are made new. You'll see a change, amen. Thirdly, there'll be a public confession. Preacher Darren, how did he confess? 
and was baptized. Do you see that in verse 33? Baptized. Not baptized for salvation, baptized because of salvation. Amen. Some people say, well, preacher, Darren, I think the Bible clearly says here, there, and yonder that you need to repent and be baptized. Remember, there's a, there's a little conjunction there between them, the word and. Amen. Let me tell you something. Bab to be baptized is the first command that you're to be obedient to after you get saved. But it is not necessary for salvation. Preacher Darren, I disagree with you. Well, that's fine. You can be wrong if you want to, and I'll let you apologize when the service is over, and I'll say it's okay. You're going to be excused. But I want to tell you something. Baptism won't save you. Preacher Darren, you're wrong about that. Let me just say this. The thief on the cross, Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He didn't get baptized. And this morning I was given an illustration uh, some time ago on an airplane, talking with a man, a Christian man supposedly, about his faith, talking about the, the, the Word of God. And, and I asked him what he thought about salvation. And he said that you have to... You have to call on the Lord, you have to be baptized, you have to live a Christian life. You see, what he did was he added conditions. He added conditions. My Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But when you add conditions to it, you have a problem. So I looked at him and I said, well, friend, tell me. Let's just say that we were on this airplane and uh, the, the pilot comes on the intercom there and he says, hey, we're losing altitude, we've lost power, we're going down, we're going to crash into a mountain in about five minutes. If you need to get right with God, I suggest now's the time to do so. And I looked at my friend and I said, are you a Christian? Yes. Tell me if I've been a wicked man how I can be saved. He said, well, you need to call the Lord. Okay, I'll do that. Then you need to be baptized. How am I going to be baptized? Dear Lord, I've got five minutes to live. How am I going to be baptized? He said, then you got to live a Christian life. How am I going to do that? I'm not even saved. Amen. What am I going to do? You see, I couldn't have been. I said, so, so friend, what are you telling me? What, what are you telling me? He said, there's no hope for you. That's what he said. There's no hope for you. You can't be saved. Why? Because you can't be baptized. And because you don't have time to live a Christian life. That's false doctrine. Anytime you add a condition, my Bible says, glory to God, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I could get down right there in the middle of that airplane and call the Lord and he'd save me and take me to the same heaven that Jesus is in. Amen. There needs to be preparation, a powerful conviction. There needs to be a personal conversion and there ought to be a public confession. Now then, preacher Darren, what is the purpose of baptism? Well, we talked about Jesus identifying himself with sinners. And what you're doing is you're identifying yourself with the Savior. Amen. Think about it. When you stand in the water, you walk into the water. There you stand. And it represents death to your old man. Amen. And it's depicting the death of Jesus on the cross as he stood there. Then when they take you and they immerse you into the water, it represents your burial. You're being buried with him in baptism. It represents death and burial. Uh, the death of the old nature. And then you're raised back up again. <laughs> Glory to God. Which depicts the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say tonight, amen, that, that uh, preacher Darrell, I think you ought to be sprinkled. Okay. But that will not completely immerse the, Bible, the, the body into the water. That just puts a few drops on the body, amen. You need to be completely immersed into the water. Well, preacher Darren, I just don't understand. Now, I want to read, you're close, 
Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4. Romans 6 and verse number 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Did you know baptism is not a suggestion? It's not just some idea. It's a command. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, preacher Darren, you're never going to show me that there's a commandment to be baptized. Oh, I'm so glad you just had that thought. Let's see what the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 48. Please turn there. Acts 10, verse number 48. The scripture says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He what? He suggested? No. He, he said, well, it's my opinion? No. He commanded them. It, we're commanded. The first building block that you're to have after you get saved is baptism. Amen. Understand that baptism is not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for obedience. In the book of Acts 2, 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized the same day. In the book of Acts chapter number 8, the Ethiopian eunuch got saved, baptized the same day. In the book of Acts chapter 9, Paul got saved. Right after that, he got baptized. In the book of Acts chapter number 10, I was reading it to you, the Gentiles were baptized right after they got saved. Will you hear me for a second? If you've been saved and you've not been baptized, you're delaying. Well, preacher Dan, I'm a little scared. I was scared to get saved. I was scared to go up there in front of all them people. I was scared to call the Lord. I didn't know what was going to happen. He might zap me and I'd die. I didn't know what was going to happen. How many of you, you like to fly in airplanes? I've flown on airplanes. You like to fly? Some of you, you're scared to fly. What about that? Scared to fly. Did you know more people die in car accidents than they do from airplane crashes? But you're not scared of your car. That's how you probably got here tonight, amen. You took a, you took a risk. You come by faith, amen, that you're just going to be all right. When you get on board that big bird, you know it can fly. But you're not going to go anywhere till you get in it. You've got to commit yourself to it. The same thing is true of Jesus. You can know about Jesus. You can believe about Jesus. But until you commit yourself and you believe on the name of Jesus, you're never going to get saved. So hear me. If you say, preacher, I've been saved but I've not been baptized, you're delaying the command of God. And to delay the command of God is to disobey. Your first act after salvation was disobedience. If you don't follow it, got quiet in here. If you don't follow it up with baptism when the opportunity presents itself. Thirdly, we'll talk about the pattern of baptism. The Greek word baptizo literally means to fully immerse. It's like taking a, a garment, uh, maybe a piece of fabric. And you would put it in dye. You know what you do? If you're trying to dye the color of the fabric, you would baptizo. You would immerse it fully. You wouldn't just sprinkle it. If you took fabric and you sprinkled dye on it, what do you think it's going to look like? You're going to be a freckled fool. Amen? You got spots and stuff all over you. You're going to look like a crazy person. 
But when your fabric was immersed, when it was dyed, it was immersed fully, amen, like a boat that is sunk. A boat that is sunk, it is fully immersed. It is said to be baptizo. Only baptism by immersion can convey the glorious message of new life in Christ, of death, burial, and resurrection. If you change the method, you corrupt the message. There is immersion. There is submersion. And thank God there is immersion. You're coming back up out of that water. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 1 about Jesus that Jesus was baptized of John in the Jordan. Now if he was sprinkled, why did they get in the river? Straightway coming up out of the water, that's when the Spirit descended like a dove and the Father spoke from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He fully immersed him, death, burial, and resurrection. Not part way, not halfway, not a few spots away, amen. One time, I'll just be honest, I was asked to preach. I preached Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches. I preached to the Catholic church, amen. That was an adventure. And in the Methodist church, they had this bowl sitting here, and I didn't have no water. I thought, what am I going to do? I got thirsty. I did the craziest thing. I turned that bowl up, drunk some of it. And they told me when the service was over, he said, you drunk the holy water. We were going to have a baptism there. Go put their hands in it. Go to sprinkle people. And I drunk from it. Amen. Didn't make me feel any different, but it was holy water. What about that? Now, preacher Dan, can you baptize a child for salvation? For, for, no. Nobody can be baptized for salvation. The only person that can save you is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. But at the name of Jesus Christ. In John 3, we see that John was baptizing in a place called Enon near Salem because there was the superlative is much. There was much water there. If he was going to do a little sprinkling, he wouldn't need much water. Just a little water would work. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, he's remembered for many things. He was the commander of the Allied forces of the invasion of Europe. He's one of the world's most militarily decorated men. Numerous honors were heaped upon him during his life. No doubt he's one of the greatest presidents he's ever had. He was the 34th president-elect of the United States. He enjoyed great popularity. Seldom matched in America nowadays by presidents. But there's something else he's remembered for. He had the distinction of being known as the only American president to have been baptized into a church membership upon the confession of his faith while he was in office. Some of y'all can't remember, and I wasn't born. Just imagine our president saying, I want to let y'all know I got saved. And my faith is in Christ. And I'm going to be baptized. And I want ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS. I want CNN, Fox News. I want them all to come down and broadcast me being baptized. <laughs> the leaders of many nations were invited and were present. And they saw and witnessed Thousands and millions of people all across America and across the world saw Dwight D. Eisenhower be baptized. Hey, we may not be able to witness and, and broadcast or advertise our faith to the whole world, but honey, we can witness it before our family and before our friends right here in this church tonight. Last of all, and I'm done. Fourthly, there's a proclamation. I've often been asked, if a person is saved but not been baptized, can they go to heaven? The answer is yes. If a person has truly been saved 
failing to be baptized will not keep them out of heaven. Oh, preacher Darren, what about the text, Mark 16, 16? Well, let's read it. Let's go there, and I'm getting ready to quit. Mark 16, 16. I, I, I get confronted all the time with people who try to take Scripture and twist them and turn them. And I just want to say this for you. If you're a Scripture, uh, a person who twists the Scripture a little bit, let's talk to you for a second. My Bible says Judas Iscariot hung himself. My Bible says, what thou doest, or, or this do thou likewise. And another place it says, what thou doest, doest it quickly. So I just have scripture. Judas hung himself. Amen. It's in the Bible. This do you likewise. That's in the Bible. And what thou doest, doest it quickly. And we could say, Jim Jones, the Bible told me to. You can twist scripture to mean anything you want to mean. But never take it out of context. I pray tonight before I preach that God would help me rightly divide the word of truth. In Mark 16, verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Ooh, there you go, preacher. Don't forget there's a conjunction there. He that believeth, there's your salvation, and is baptized shall be saved. That baptism, you know what, when you got saved? People, we had three saved this morning. Guess what happened to them? They got baptized this morning. No, they didn't, preacher Darren. They're coming not to be baptized. The Holy Ghost baptized them into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't even get wet, but they were baptized in the body of believers, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about that? Now, look, look with me. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Do you see that? He that believeth not shall be damned. It did not say, he that is baptized not. Rightly divide the word, y'all. Rightly divide the word. He that believeth not is going to be lost. And he that believeth is saved. Hey, John 3.18, glory to God. John 3.18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Three things I want to say. This jailer here in the book of Acts, he gets his family. He has makes sure they all hear the scripture. He washes their stripes. There's some things happen there that's very important of, of according to your proclamation. Did you know that tonight you have a master to confess? When he washed their stripes, he was telling them that I'm a changed man. Jesus has changed my, my life. You have a master to confess. He had a message to convey. He made sure that his household heard the gospel. We have a mandate to complete. He and his household were saved and they all were baptized. You stand to your feet tonight. I just want to say this this evening. If you're here and you're saved, praise God for that. But if you've not been baptized, I challenge you tonight. Find yourself a place to get baptized by immersion and represent the the, the meaning of the scripture, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your head's bowed, there's nobody looking. Maybe there's somebody. You'd come this on and say, God, I just want to take the time to get in this all tonight to thank you for saving souls at Bethel, for saving my family. God, I want to pray there's others that need to be saved. God, I'm praying tonight, God, this baptism would be so real to them that, God, you'd speak to them, you'd show them, God, it's a symbol, but, Lord, you'd let them know that their sins have been washed away. Hallelujah. Folks are coming. God bless you.
Maybe there's somebody tonight say, Preacher, I need to be saved too. I should have got saved this morning. God spoke to me tonight. I need to be saved tonight. Why don't you slip out tonight and come? Make your way to this old-fashioned altar. Honey, he'd save your soul if you would but call on him tonight. Folks are making their way to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Our Father and our God, as we bow our head before you tonight, Lord, we know that you know all things. God, there's nothing too hard for you. God, we're come before you tonight, Lord. We ask your blessing upon these, Father, that have been saved, these that are candidates for baptism. God, I pray you'd bless their lives. God, you've done a great work. I pray, God, you'd make this baptism real to them, God, and witness to their family and their friends. God, that they've identified themselves with Jesus Christ, and they're not ashamed. Lord, I'm thankful for a crowd like that. Lord, I love you tonight, God. I ask, Father, your blessing, Father, upon maybe others that are not saved, that, God, you'd lead them, draw them, convict them, bring them to a place of salvation. God, not for me, but for your sake, for your son. Lord, would you touch, would you bless, would you move. Thank you, God, for doing a great work this morning. God, only eternity will reveal what it's meant to our hearts to see these souls step forward and say, I need to be saved and watch Jesus change their whole world. Give them a new life. Give them a new direction. Thank you, God, for a place called heaven. Father, I pray, God, I got friends and some family members that still have not been saved. God, I pray you'd save them before it's everlasting too late. Tonight, God, I thank you, Father, for the great work that you've done, transcending time and eternity, for drawing these tonight to a place of salvation and giving them a new life. For this, God, I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.